Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, Anala Advanced Certified Paralegal, calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan, where I've worked as a paralegal for more than 20 years. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor and publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. There's more information available at paralegalmentor.com. And I'm Lynn Devaney. I'm a paralegal employed by a small civil rights firm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I also co-authored a textbook for paralegals, Workers' Compensation Practice for Paralegals, with my boss. And I understand the most popular chapter is the one about what to do with all those medical records on your desk. I get questions about that quite a bit. And I also uh, blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your careers and everyday jobs. We also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. And today we welcome Sue Ann Jafarian, a paralegal for Hooper, Lundy, and Bookman in Los Angeles, and author of the best-selling Odelia Gray Mysteries featuring plus-size paralegal Odelia Gray. Sue Ann also writes two other popular mystery series, The Ghost of Granny Apple's Mysteries and The Madison Rose Vampire Mysteries. And Sue Ann, if you were here in person, I'd be jumping up and down saying, autograph my books for me, please. (laughs) But you're not. But welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lynn. One day we are going to meet. Yes, we are. Um, Sue Ann, let's talk a little bit about your long and successful legal career. I recently had the uh, pleasure of interviewing you for Paralegal Today, and that feature article should be in the October-December issue of the magazine. Uh, But can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the legal field? You know, it was by accident, really. Um, Halfway through college, I decided to take a time out, and I needed a job. And uh, I went through a couple of jobs I just hated, and I landed in a law firm and loved it. Uh, started out as a receptionist and just moved up to like a floater and, you know, changed jobs to keep increasing my position and what I was learning, and uh, absolutely found my niche. So it was just a happy accident. And mm-hmm. here I am, over 30 years later, still in my happy accident. I think that's a a history that many of us have, Mm -hmm. have, Sue Ann. It is. And I was just in L.A. a couple of weeks ago for the LAPA meeting, Los Angeles Paralegal Association. I'm a member of that. Right, and I wish I would have uh, looked you up and and talked to you and had you autograph my books, too. Um, So tell us what you do in your current position. I am the corporate paralegal for Hooper, Lundy, and Bookman. Um, I handle a lot of due diligence for acquisitions and sales. Uh, we deal totally in healthcare law. That's all we do, and we do it for providers like doctors, hospitals, nursing homes, dentists. Um, you know, I can relate to what Lynn said about medical records on desk. I mean, we're under lockdown under the new HIPAA laws. Um, so that's all we do, and I do everything from 
starting new corporations and maintaining them and keeping the minutes up to date, uh, anything the attorneys throw my way. And But right now, you know, we're in the middle of a lot of uh, acquisitions and sales. So that's what, when Lynn was talking about all the boxes, it's just boxes and boxes of due diligence. So um, that's kind of what I do. I also handle, uh, manage the files for uh, our regulatory attorneys who file things with uh, for Medicare uh, appeals and things like that. Well, Sue Ann, I don't know how you manage it all. Um, healthcare is kind of a unique niche, and I know that we've probably got listeners out there who would be interested in getting into corporate or healthcare law, uh, and some of these classes probably aren't taught in typical paralegal programs. Uh, do you have any suggestions for listeners who might be interested in getting into your specialty area? Well, there's not that many firms that do it specifically like our firm. That's all we do. But um, really, it's just a matter of knowing whether you're litigation or corporate, knowing your job and knowing it well, and trying to get into the field in a law firm. Um, and that's really what it is. I mean, I was a paralegal at a healthcare corporation years ago, which gave me an entree into it. And uh, from there, some of my other jobs just brought in like licensing and corporate work and managing national accounts and things made me perfect fit for Hooper Lundy when the time came. So all I can say is just know your job as a paralegal, whether you're in litigation or business, um, and just aim for the firms you would like to work in and the departments you'd like to work in. The thing with healthcare, it's a it's always changing. You know, exactly. every time there's a new law, our job changes. It's like we, we're going forward, then all of a sudden we have to zigzag someplace else. So it's always uh, keeps us on our toes. Well, Sue Ann, in, you know, in addition to a very successful paralegal career, you also have a successful second career as a fiction writer. And I'd just love to know how you got started writing fiction. Actually, that was my dream job. I mean, even when I was a young kid, I wanted to be a writer. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, well, a little kid, not that little, 11, 12, um, I would actually go into the libraries and, and open up a card catalog, one of those old-fashioned card catalogs back then, and actually put a piece of paper where one day my name would be. I was sure I was going to be a writer. And, but as the years went on, that kind of got put in, put in the, you know, the back burner. And, um, I mean, it was about 17, 18 years ago now, um, I finally decided to take my run at my dream job. And here I am. Um, wow, you know, it happened. I think once I took that dream and turned it into a goal and applied myself to that goal, it, it started happening. Sue Ann, I was just thinking about your dream of being in the card catalog and how they eliminated all the card catalogs. So now but I have now to look I'm you up in on the, the computer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing about the image of a piece of paper. Um, yeah, the little pieces of paper and the stubby pencils and the big wooden drawers. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. And the college card catalogs that were, you know, towered, you know, many drawers over your head. Gosh, mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember all of those, too. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your characters. Uh, Odelia Gray is an incredibly witty and very insightful woman who just happens to be plus-sized, or as Publishers Weekly describes her, large and in charge, and she's also a paralegal. Um, When was the idea for Odelia, who's often called the corpse magnet in the books, born? When did Um, that idea come up? 
where that idea, well, you know, uh, I was writing general fiction. I had written a couple of novels in general fiction, and I had a different agent than I do now, and she tried to sell them, and we came real close. We had some really wonderful rejection letters. Um, so I knew I was on the right track, that my writing, they love my writing, but I hadn't hit the right thing. And my agent at the time said, try to get in the mystery. So I actually was in the middle of writing my third novel, which was called The Back of the Bus, and it featured a plus-size paralegal who, um, and it was a kind of a serial, uh, serial comic, comic novel about weight prejudice. And I looked at that book and I went, I can turn that into a mystery very easily with her being a paralegal. It would be a nice fit. And I turned it into a book, into Too Big to Miss, changed the title to Too Big to Miss, and uh, it took off. So, well, it didn't take off. Actually, my agent hated it. And oh. so <laughs> my agent said, and I quote, no one wants to read this crap. Really? Yeah. Oh so <laughs> tell us how you con- really feel. <laughs> yeah, tell us how you really feel. I mean, she went on and on, but that was that was the the real defining phrase. And uh, after a good cry and a week of thinking about it, I fired her. And uh, and I'm glad I did. And look at no one wants to read this crap, but the book is uh, in at least three printings that I know of, and has. Uh, Bond a 12-book contract with a publisher. So, uh, you know, that's a good example, folks. If somebody tells you no and you feel in your gut it should be a yes, discard them and find somebody else. And that's what I did. Oh, that's a great inside story, Sue Ann. Are any of the other characters in the book, uh, include, especially um, we all love Adelia's uh, husband, Greg, and her arrogant supervising attorney, even though I just said that, we love Mike Steele, too, uh, who secretly has a heart of gold. Are they based on anybody that you actually know? No. <laughs> and everybody asked me that. People want me to introduce them to the real Greg, and I have no idea. I mean, he's kind of, I did a lot of research on paraplegic men before, uh, for that book, actually. And um, actually, that was that, those characters were taken out of the second novel I wrote that didn't get published. They, that was one thing, the rejections kept saying how much they loved Greg Stevens and his dog, Wainwright. And uh, the character's name, Odelia, wasn't even Odelia then. It was some other name. But I took that character out of that unsold book and brought him into the Odelia books, and he took off. But I did a lot of research on the life of a paraplegic man, and many men were so eager to talk to me to make sure I got it right. And so he's, he's a compilation of that. And Mike Steele is just every stereotype in the book wound up in one package, except that he's very ethical. His saving grace is that he's incredibly brilliant and ethical, but he can be a sleazebag on other levels. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's putting it mildly. (laughs) And by the way, he is nothing like my boss or any of my bosses, so I get asked that a lot. No, no, no. Um, You know, my bosses laugh when when they read that uh, about Mike Steele. So, and the funny thing is, I didn't even know there was a real Michael Steele in the world when I wrote that. that was <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that until just a few years ago. So, when I was watching TV and saw Michael Steele, a guest on a news program, I <laughs> dropped. I had no idea. So, 
So he's not based on that Michael Steele either. Okay. Well, I'll bet there's another question that you get asked a lot, and it is, uh, you know, how much uh, is Adelia like you? You know, and how is she different? Well, I have a pet answer is that she swears less and dresses better. <laughs> and and that's, that's really good. it. I mean, she, she does dress a lot nicer than I do. I, I have fun putting her in things, but I don't want to get chick litty and describe her clothes too much. Um, you know, she's a lot like me in that it is me as far as things I want to say. And she just gets to say them either in her head or out loud sometimes where I would not do that. I, I think so. It's fine. You know, I love writing that first person voice on that particular series because in her head, she can say anything and everything she wants. And I put that in there. So she's a lot like me. But she's very different in that she, like I said, she's a lot more refined than I am. I, I tend to be a little crusty. Um, and, uh, but her work is very much, I mean, I, I just laugh because I love, if I'm in the middle of a big deal and I'm getting paper cuts all over my hands from going through manila files and handling binders, I put that in the book. If I have a cold, I put it in the book. Um, so she's a lot of fun to put me in there. That would be fun. Um, listeners who are familiar with the series will want to know this. When is the sixth book coming out? Uh, is it titled yet? And can you tell us briefly what it's going to be about? Sure. Um, the sixth book, in fact, you can see the cover on my website. It's called Twice as Dead. And uh, it'll be out June 2011. And uh, it's Odelia, it opens with Odelia finding a body of a wedding planner at uh, the wedding of the daughter of her best friend, Z. Washington. And the wedding planner is very dead at the reception, and she stumbles upon it. Of course, she's a corpse magnet. And, um, and it turns out the wedding planner is not just dead, but was presumed dead years before. And to make things even uh, a little more complicated... The wedding planner is a she who's really a he. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> and, and we have a lot of fun with that. And I bring back a character from the first book, Too Big to Miss, in it, a surprise character. And I bring back a character from the uh, last book, Corpse on the Cob, bring that person back in. So we're visiting a couple of old characters from other, uh, not other episodes in the books. And, um, I just finished doing, actually, I'm still doing some cleanup on it, but it's done, and uh, it'll be out in June. Well, I have to tell you that I'm reading Curse of the Holy Pale right now. Oh, yeah, the second one. Right, deeply involved. I have all six of them, but I'm deeply involved in whether or not Odelia is going to marry Greg. So now I know. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. When you have so many books out, you know, it kind of gives away the earlier one. I know. Well, it's they're they're a real easy read, very entertaining. I really enjoy it. Oh, thank but you. I, yeah, but I also know that you uh, published your first novel in your new vampire series, which is Murder in the Vein. Yeah, and vamp- yeah. yeah, and vampire it's actually fiction. Murder in Vein. Murder. Oh, okay. Murder, murder in, in Vein. vein. Right. And vampire fiction is just, you know, it's incredibly popular, of course. So what was your inspiration for your fictional vampires? And can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure. You know, that was a surprise to me, too. Um, I had no intention of writing a vampire novel ever. 
If somebody had told me that uh, a year and a half ago, I would have said they were nuts. Um, and it, it just, I don't even read it. I do not read vampire fiction. And uh, <laughs> I just had to laugh because I do follow the series True Blood written, you know, the books are written by Charlene Harris, who was a lady I bump into quite a bit on the on the circuit. And um, I was watching it one day and I got this idea that, gee, all the vampires in the show or most of them are sexy and hot and brooding and, um, you know, kind of on the nasty side. And I thought, what and I got there was one character named Eddie and he was a CPA, middle aged, dumpy, gay, and I thought and one of the things when he turned a vampire he thought he'd be popular and attractive. Well, sorry, Eddie, when you become a vampire you <laughs> are what you are when you turn. So I started thinking, there's a story there. What happens to the people who aren't sexy and young and vibrant who become vampires? So I had this idea, and it sat in my brain for a while, and last September at the launch of the first Granny Apples book, I mentioned it to my agent, and she loved it. She said, I can sell that. And this is just last September. And so in a few weeks, she shopped around sample chapters, and we had quite a bit of interest, and my current publisher swooped in and bought them before anyone else could. And uh, they asked if I could write the book in two months, and I almost had a heart attack, (laughs) but they shoved all my other deadlines aside, and I wrote the book in two months, and they brought it out a year after I mentioned it to my agent. So that was a fast track. And of course, they did that take advantage of the popularity of the genre. Your publisher sounds a little bit like a lawyer. Hey, can you write 500 pages in two months or less? And I mean that yesterday. I'm telling you. And of course, you know... As a paralegal, if my boss comes in here and says that, I have to say, yes, of course I can. I said that when they said, can you write this book in two months? Um, sure, why not? And I well, this- wrote it, and I love the book. Never thought I'd be writing vampires, but I love it. And my vampires are vampires that are trying to live under the radar in Los Angeles. And they try to live normal lives. You could be standing next to one on the street, not know it, because mine can walk in the daylight, and um, they're just trying to live normal lives, and in the first book, Murder in Vain, there is uh, there's a serial killer killing young women and draining their blood, and the local vampires are afraid that's going to turn the spotlight on them, and they're going to be discovered, so they set out to find the killer and bring them down in their own way before the police find out there are really vampires. So, um, and there's Madison Rose is the living person uh, who is the main character, and she's a very live person, and she is saved by the vampires from death, and then is brought into their world. And I, the second book has been written. It's called Baited Blood. It'll be out next September, and we're very excited. Baited Blood takes it even darker and deeper into the vampire world. Well, I, I know even you have vampire asked. attorneys in the book. Oh, cool. I can't wait. <laughs> um, I know that this will net the, the fact that you had to write a book in two months will nicely segue into this question. How do you manage working full time? And I know you work a lot of overtime because I see your tweets and your Facebook status um, as a very busy corporate paralegal plus writing several novels a year. How do you do that? Well, you know, the, the thing about my OT right now, I, I am working longer hours, but for a corporate paralegal, that kind of comes and goes. So a lot of the time, I'm just putting in my usual eight. 
So to clarify that, but um, I don't know. I just do it. Um, I first off, I'm not married. Uh, I don't have children. So the time, a lot of time. I mean, Lynn, you have a family. You know how much time you put with your family. Yes. Well, think about all those hours. Those are hours I have to write. And I'm that's so when people say, "How can you do it?" I went. Remember, I don't have the other responsibilities and obligations other people do once I get home. I mean, basically, I can walk through my door, put down the purse, make sure the cats are fed, and start writing. And uh, I write in the morning before I come to work, and a lot of times I write in the evening, and I write a lot on weekends. So that, that's really where I capture my time, is where other people are dealing with family obligations. I have that free time. Yeah, it takes and about th- three hours. Hmm? It takes about it takes about three hours in the morning to get a sleepy teenager out of the house. So there you, <laughs> you go. start working That's on that at four a.m. Two hours a morning, you know. Uh, all um, I have to do in the morning is feed the cats and you know clean the litter box, and that's it. A lot easier. Suzanne, <laughs> we are really enjoying our conversation with you. Uh, it's time to take a very quick break now, but when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Suzanne Jafarian. Thank you. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Introducing Westlaw Deposition Services. Our team will arrange the deposition logistics for you anywhere in the world. Our court reporters are certified live note reporters, making them the very best real-time reporters available. Our professional video production team produces trial-ready video, digitized and synced to the transcript. Experience the Westlaw Deposition Services difference so you can focus on the essential aspects of your work. To schedule a deposition, call 1-800-548-3668 or visit westlawdepositions.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and our guest today is Sue Ann Jafarian, a paralegal for Hooper, Lundy, and Bookman in Los Angeles, and also the author of the best-selling Odelia Gray Mysteries. Sue Ann, do you have any tips for any would-be writers out there? Yes. Um, decide you want to be it and commit yourself to the time involved. Uh, you can be the best writer in the world, but if you're not committed to getting those words on paper every day and focusing on it, nothing's going to happen. It's really about commitment. So that's it. Follow your dreams, but make a commitment to it. Don't be wishy-washy. That's a good tip, uh, Sue Ann. I'm trying to uh, complete a paralegal textbook, and and you're right. If you don't write it, it doesn't get done. Exactly, and and that's true of any goal. Don't be wishy-washy. Grab it and go for it. Don't say, you know, I might. Say you will. Right. Uh, one thing I want to interject here very quickly is that I, I love the way you, you actually set the intention to be an author early in your life. 
Now, it took you a while to get there, but you set that intention when you were looking in those card catalogs. Yes. I, I, really as did. a kid, I read all the time, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the library. I wanted mm-hmm. my name on the binding of a book. And you did it. And I did it. Right, right. Well, I'd like to know what the future holds for Sue Ann and Odelia. Are you hoping to write full-time eventually? And are we going to see Odelia on the big screen? Well, um, well, the last question first. Odelia has been optioned actually several times for uh, TV and film. In fact, the option is up at the end of this month for the last one. And already we have somebody standing in line considering picking it back up. So she's been out there and optioned several times. So far, nothing. Um, we'd love to see her on the small screen. That's my, I'd rather see her on the small screen than the big screen. Um, and my other books also, there's been a lot of interest in Murder in Vain as well, but so far no options on it. Uh, as far as writing full time, you know, every author wants to write full time and I'm no different, but I do love my job and I'm not that far from retirement. So it kind of seems as long as I can juggle the two, why not? Um, also writing doesn't make a whole lot of money until you're, you know, really high up. So um, while I do make money at it, I don't make enough to support me or to replace my paralegal uh, benefits and income. But eventually it'd be nice to write full time. As far as Odelia, we have uh, the sixth book was just done, as I mentioned, and I have six more under contract. So Odelia has a lot of time coming, at least six more books. And that's what my future holds, is writing Odelia and the other books I have under contract. Uh, Sue Ann, I want to talk about a topic that kind of went viral on the internet, um, and you and you had a wonderful blog post about it, too. Um, and we will include the link to your blog in our show notes. But readers love you and Odelia because you're living terrific, exciting lives as empowered and full full-figured women in a society that emphasizes thin and is, is in. You recently did a post on your personal blog, Babble and Blog, about a Marie Claire article uh, where the writer Maura Kelly complained about seeing two overweight characters involved in a romantic relationship on TV. She, she said that made her uncomfortable. And I loved your quote from the post because you said, my name is Sue Ann Jafarian. I am fat. I kiss men and have sex. And that makes me Maura Kelly's and Marie Claire's worst fears come to life. Most of us don't fit in today's social ideals of physical beauty. What, what would you say to our listeners who've experienced, you know, this kind of prejudice, who can, who can really relate to being the people that Maura Kelly can't stand to watch hold hands or kiss on TV? Well, you know, it's, what they need to do is stop paying attention to people like that. Um, that just, boy, that, that blog entry of Marie Claire's just, literally incensed me. I thought I was going to have a stroke. I was so angry. Um, and, and it just shows that people feel that they can say anything they want and hurt anyone's feelings. And not just about weight, but any prejudice at all. Um, we're living in a time where you would think people would be more tolerant. And instead we have, you know, we have gays being beaten to death and we have fat people called names on the street. Um, this has to stop. It just has to stop. And what I can say is that if you don't fit the norm and you feel out of place, make your own place. Hold your head up high and walk through this world knowing you are a valuable human being and the people who don't find you as such can go pound stand. Well said. Well said. Well, the next question is, what do you do to relax? 
I watch a lot of TV when I relax. <laughs> I really do. Um, I like it because it kind of puts me on autopilot. Uh, I also like to do walking. Um, for my exercise, I like to walk. Um, and spend time with friends. That's mostly what I do to relax. Reading, of course, but sometimes that's like a busman's holiday. I have to read a lot to keep up with my colleagues. So even though I enjoy it so much, it, it is part of my job as a writer. Sue Ann, I've been dying to ask you this question because you've talked a lot about your childhood, you know, knowing that you wanted to do this since you were a child. Who was your favorite author when you were 11 or 12 years old? Oh, that's hard to say. Um, I was always a classics reader. Um, I would say around 12 or so, I discovered, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo and, uh, you know, Charles Dickens and Dumas and all the classics. And I loved them. The Bronte sisters, I read everything at that age. I just loved it. So, um, what, um, whose books do you read now when you want to relax? If you, you know, what, what author do you look forward to receiving the next in the series? Um, one of my pals, actually, Naomi Hirahara. She writes a wonderful mystery series about a Japanese gardener here in California who is a Hiroshima survivor. Um, I love Walter Mosley. Um, there's just the, Kelly Stanley, new upcoming name in the mystery. Uh, I just bought a new book, so I can't really say whether I'm going to like this author or not, but I'm so excited. It's called uh, Caspian Rain. Um I, I just am very eclectic in my in my reading. I read everything I get my hands on. The saddest part is I don't have the time to read like I'd like. And where I used to polish off a book a week, now I'm lucky to get a book or two done a month. But um, wow, I when I see something that piques my interest, I like to grab it and read it. You know, Sue Ann, I, I uh, also suffer from a lack of time, and I kind of solved that by downloading books to my iPod and listening to them when I'm feeding the cats that obviously you got to feed them before you can do anything else. Uh, Just doing, you know, normal chores. And and I've really picked up the number of books that I can read. And I I just love doing it that way. And, you know, I do that too. I have a mm -hmm. little iPod shuffle and I will put books on there. And when I walk, I'll listen to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing, oh, I love to get books in the library, CDs. And when I'm cleaning the house, I have those going. Right. Um, you're right. It, it has really stepped up my reading quite a bit to be able to right. do that. Right. I'm reading Ken Follett's latest one, Fall of Giants, and ah. I happen to be in Russia right now. And I go, I go there. I, I am, I am in Russia. <laughs> it's just he, crazy. He actually uh, wrote one of my favorite books, um, and now my brain. I just had a brain seizure. Oh. Pillars of the Earth. Oh, right. And World Without End. Both of those were very yeah, good. I, I mean, one of my favorite books of all time. So, right. but yeah, the audio is the way to go when you're really busy. <laughs> right. Now, for listeners who want to know more about you, can you give us the link to your website and tell us where they can get your books? Yes. Um, well, my books are available at all major bookstores, uh, chains and independents, um, and of course on Amazon and all over online. Um, my website is www.suanjafarian.com, and there's links there that can link you up to my Facebook page, Twitter. I mean, I am kind of a social network whore at this time, uh, and it's a lot of fun because I get to interact with so many people that way. So there's lots of places to find me on the web. That's where I found you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sue Ann, thank you for being such a wonderful guest today. We really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank you, ladies. It pure pleasure was mine. Absolutely pure pleasure. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. At this time, Len and I give uh, a couple of our tips, and I have to tell you that uh, whenever I talk to any paralegal, uh, interviewing them, writing about them, or whatever, they, when I ask them about their favorite pa- practice tip, it's usually never stop learning. And sometimes we think of never stop learning in terms of uh, going to seminars and conferences and, and that kind of thing. But actually, it also includes uh, learning about uh, new technology that comes out, always uh, taking advantage of that because it will make your job easier. And never be afraid of this new technology because uh, I don't... I don't care how long you've been working or whatever, you can uh, figure it out. And all you have to do is to be patient and keep practicing. And so, you know, never forget about learning new technology. Those are great points, Vicki. And that's one of the reasons I talk about social media so much as a way to uh, quickly kind of assimilate new technology and keep up with the latest. Uh, But I'm just going to talk real quickly. Again, I talk about it a lot, but I'm going to talk about LinkedIn. Um, I write about so many paralegals um, during the course of blogging and writing news stories. And when I want to get in touch with somebody and congratulate them for a job well done or an achievement, I'm always shocked to find that uh, nine out of 10 paralegals do not have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, very few legal staffers seem to be using it. Um, literally, it is virtually and literally <laughs> your online resume. Um, and when somebody types your name into a search engine like Google, um, your LinkedIn profile should be at the top or near the top of search engine results for your name. Um, and and you want something to come up when your name is typed into Google. Uh, and even if the only thing that comes up is a really well done LinkedIn profile, that is way better than nothing coming up at all. Your uh, LinkedIn profile is an important internet footprint that you do want. Uh, being on LinkedIn, as you said, Vicki, enables you to keep up with technology through various uh, paralegal groups that you can join. Once you have a LinkedIn profile, um, you can use it to uh, showcase your career to network, to maintain sort of what I consider a giant Rolodex of professional contacts, to get written uh, recommendations while you're still fresh in someone's memories, and um, also, again, to join those paralegal associations and groups. And I just want to say real quick, if your paralegal association does not already have LinkedIn uh, group or Facebook page, that would be a great project for your association. Good tips, Lynn. That's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out our show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Lynn Devaney. 
And this is Vicki Voison thanking you for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.